Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. That's a website. You should come check us out uh, for all your Notre Dame news. We're here previewing UMass, which is the game before the Clemson game. Um, but I think first, we, before we get into that news, Drew Tranquil, we got Brandon Wimbush. You know, I think this has been an interesting week. We talked to Jerry Tillery for the first time since he enrolled uh, yesterday. And then, um, you know, also sort of the development of the offense. Tim, you've written about sort of the Chris Brown, Corey Robinson dynamic, which I think is interesting. So I guess, I don't know, where, where do you guys want to start this week as far as news goes? Yeah, I think that, that makes Chris Brown, Corey Robinson development. It's Deshaun Kaiser's very comfortable with Chris Brown. Um, it, just for the fact that he's targeted 11 times, and you have a guy named Will Fuller on your team that's usually going to be the, the main target. And it's not that we can blame Deshaun Kaiser, that he's kind of zeroed in on two guys here, but uh, I do think the offense will work better in the long run if they can get back to that balance you saw in the Texas game, and, I, and I'm sure that that would be the case with Kaiser going forward. Um, but yeah, it, he, it was clear he trusts Chris Brown, and he has developed a rapport with him from the beginning, so that's, uh, you know, you're a young quarterback, you have the best receiver in the country in Will Fuller, and you have a guy you really trust. Those are going to be the focal points going forward. It would be nice maybe in this game if things go according to plan where you really do kind of work everybody back into the mix and uh, maybe it's possibly called that way at some point to see Deshaun Kaiser kind of spread it around a little bit more to all the weapons. I think it's a good sign that he targeted Chris Brown as much as he did because you you know what you have in Will Fuller. Just throw it in the vicinity and he's probably going to make a, make a play on it. So I think that chemistry is good. It would be nice to get Corey Robinson more involved, but Corey Robinson has to get right. himself involved, um, you know, and, and earn the playing time, which which means snaps ahead of Chris Brown, and Chris Brown just had a really solid game and, and is a guy that, as you said, Tim, that Kaiser trusts. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's a positive. A uh, lot of opportunities in this game, not saying the Notre Dame's going to blow out. Uh, um, who are they playing? U- UMass. Yeah, not saying the Nordium's going to blow out UMass because they do have some weapons offensively, but they don't have much defensively. So it is a great opportunity to spread the wealth in the passing game. Yeah, and I think defensively for Notre Dame, I asked Brian Kelly on Tuesday, okay, what happens with the dime package? Because Drew Tranquil's out for the year with the ACL, and he's like, yeah, I don't want to tell you. Um, but I, if it's not Matthias Farley, I would be stunned. Although the more I thought about it, I was like, I wonder if Nick Coleman could fill that role if they're really serious about upgrading that spot athletically. Nick Coleman could be a guy who who maybe does that. I'm curious what happens with Devin Butler and Nick Watkins. Did Devin Butler lose his job after the way the UVA game went? I mean, I know he's listed where he is on the depth chart as the number two corner, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if Watkins has had a good last couple weeks of practice that that became his job. I would think that Watkins would get the crack ahead of Butler at, at this stage. I mean... You know, let's go ahead and make the transition and take advantage of the talent that Nick Watkins is. But, but you know, we know Coleman was in the mix right from the outset, right yeah. from right from Culver. So, uh, you know, all things considered, some pretty good options. When you're talking about Nick, well, they're going to have to play Nick Watkins. I mean, remember how highly rated he was coming out of high school. So they have some pretty good options there, several which are probably better at this stage than Devin Butler. Yeah, and I think this game, so much of it is going to be about getting the backups in. We'll learn more about the depth of this team on Saturday than maybe we did against Texas when so much of it was just like, get in the game, let's see if you freak out, let's see if you play well. Now it's just like, okay, you you guys, you Jonathan Bonner, Nick Watkins, uh, Alex Bars, uh, Equinemy St. Brown, Tim, you asked a, a great question on Tuesday about who are sort of the next men in that could be maybe not like what Will Fuller was last year, but 
guys that you think are really, really talented that just haven't got an opportunity, Saturday is going to be a chance for that. And if they have any more injuries, those guys are going to have to play. So I think Saturday is a good opportunity for that. Yeah, you hope Will Fuller and CJ Procise aren't the guys that are scoring touchdowns late in the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter of this game, right? I mean, that, that that's their role the rest of the season. It'd yeah. be nice to see guys. Brian Kelly has so much faith in Torrey Hunter Jr. It'd be good to see he and, he and Kaiser connect. And obviously we're going to talk about this a little later for some of the fringe scout team varsity guys, but I don't think that's what Pete's talking about now. Jonathan Bonner, this is the guy that Kelly was high on. It's time to see him play. Isaac you know, UMass, if things go well for UMass, they're, they're still going to lose the game, but they want to be out there for 80 plays. Can't have Isaac Rochelle out there for more than 50 in this game, right? You have to get some other guys involved at this yeah, point. Yeah, I mean, here. so here, when we got a question earlier in the week about defensive line rotation. Here are the snaps by game. For Sheldon Day, 37 against Texas, 58 against Virginia, 71 against Georgia Tech. For Rochelle, it's 36, 67, 74. You cannot have Isaac Rochelle play more than 50 plays in this game, no, nor, nor should you even have to be in that position. So, yeah, Bonner, do Blankenship Hayes, are they live? It doesn't seem like yeah. it. Uh, Pete Makwa, he can get in the game a little bit. Cage um, can play 25, Okwara, right? Trombetti was a Trombetti DMP last week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, those are opportunities for the second-team defensive line to play, and maybe you don't have to get into the Hayes-Blankenship situation. That, that I think, is a question for Brian Kelly tonight, not that we like to ask questions based on Twitter, but Jay Hayes expressed <laughs> some frustration about the way the season is going for him, um, which would indicate a red shirt, not you might play this weekend. Also an important week for freshman running backs Josh Adams and, and Dexter Williams behind C.J. Procise, who is on an 1,800-yard pace just in the regular season alone, which are numbers that are completely unfamiliar with Notre Dame football. I mean, Vegas Ferguson holds the record in, a, in an 11-game season uh, from 1979. So, you know, and, we, and you know Procise is a – He's dinged up a little bit because they did work on him at, at one point with his back, and, and you saw him get up slowly. He went to the locker room at one point in the first half. Um, you know, I, the game has definitely changed. It used to be, you know, you'd feed a guy 38 times and not think much of it. Now, you know, 38 carries, you're splitting among two and sometimes three. So, uh, you know, you'd love to see Josh Adams get 10 good carries and Dexter Williams another eight or somewhere in that vicinity. I'm surprised we haven't seen Adams in the role we saw against Texas. I mean, that was that was a trusted role. He was in there, he scored a touchdown in the first half right. and in the third quarter as well. So I hope we don't just see Adams and Williams running out the clock in this game. You know, yeah. you don't want to, look, I, I think I said earlier in the week, Procise and Fuller and those guys don't want to sit. But at some point, if you get up, you just got to get these other guys involved. Well, Procise is such a physical runner. I, I, you know, guys bounce off of him. He takes he as fast as he is, and as great as his feet are, as capable as he is of avoiding a defender. He doesn't necessarily always avoid them because they'll bounce off of him. So he takes a lot of blows to his body. Fortunately, his lower body strength is must be off the chart because he guys bounce off of him, but. It is a long season, and uh, you've got you've got two very talented young backs there. And again, it, you know, I'm, people will say that well, the coaches need to no, the players need to gain the trust of the coaching staff. That's how you get more reps. Well, I think that's the value of this game is like they can, the coaches can put them out there. They can make the choice to put them out there, and then the players can succeed or fail on their own. You can't do that against Georgia. Right. right. In this game, right. you, you can do that. Yeah. yeah. I, it, I mean, I think we talked about it earlier in the week or last week that 
Yeah, you could have you could have got Rochelle and Day some time off in that Virginia game, and you'd be two and one now. <laughs> yeah, and it's I mean the way the season started for Josh Adams, I mean you wouldn't think he'd be sitting there at ten carries. No, no after it, three games, well, the way because, he started because the way he started. Now Kelly trusts him, and he puts him in all these situations in practice. And he's a freshman; he starts screwing yeah. up, and now he loses faith yeah. in him. Yeah, no, that's true. And I, I mean the the. Probably, I don't know if he's the most important guy to get in the game, but he's really, really important as Brandon Wimbush. And that, and I don't think that there should be a rush to get Kaiser out this week because there's so much he can work on uh, coming off his first start. You know, they didn't really do much play action with him last week. That's going to be important for the rest of the season. Uh, they never threw out a two tight end sets. I think those tight ends need a ton of work. Um, that was a position when you watch the tape and you see Alizé Jones and Nick Wisher just really struggle to figure out who I need to block, how I need to block them. Um, those guys need those guys need to go the distance opposed to you know getting in Chase Hounchel, I suppose, at the end of the game. Uh, but Wimbush, you got to figure out, okay, is this guy when the lights come on, does he have it? Does he need to work on it? Who knows? Um, I don't. You know, even Brian Kelly doesn't know at this point, but he should be able to find out Saturday. I would like to see him get in and run the offense yeah. a little bit opposed to come in and just hand the ball off, similar to maybe what Kaiser did at the end of the Texas game. He needs to be a little bit more involved. I, I want, I would hope more, what much more involved than that. But do you, we talked about this just before the podcast. Say it's 21-3. There's one series left in the half. Is that a good time for Wimbush, or do you need Deshaun Kaiser to whether run a four-minute drill? Whether you know? it is or not, he won't. He no, won't no, I agree. Situation. But you also need Deshaun Kaiser to run a four-minute drill, up 21-3 to put a game away in the first yeah. half, too. So it's, it's tougher because of Kaiser to get Wimbush in when it's not fourth quarter yeah popping back to your tight ends i did want to point out nick wisher who you know really in his first somewhat extended action um, caught a pass threw a key block uh in the red zone and also recovered the i think it was the what ended up being the intentional grounding where you know i mean a lot of young guys a lot of older guys would have stood around and not jumped on that so i mean i showed i thought that showed some alertness on his part and and some good progress for him in his first extended action. Yeah, and I guess just to spin it forward a little bit to UMass, um, a stat that I'm sure will get mentioned a lot in the prospects. Notre Dame is five and zero when the Pope is in the United States of America. Maybe maybe tested against UMass. That's key. <laughs> That's key. That's key. Yeah. He wrote, um, he wrote that in August too. Yeah. So <laughs> By the way, he apparently he leaves before the Clemson game. So. Yeah, well, Notre Dame has yeah. many other things yeah. going for them in this game. <laughs> UMass, what they do well, I mean, their quarterback is a, a, a potential, I think he's going to be a guy that you hear about from Kuiper and McShay, so like, this guy's moving up the draft board, and then he'll go in the fifth round, yeah. but I mean, he's a, he, <laughs> he is an NFL type of body at 6'6", six, six. Six, six, uh, yeah. I mean, they threw the ball almost 60 times last week, uh, he was well over 300 yards, I mean, it will be it will be a good workout for Notre Dame's secondary, again, I don't think Notre Dame's going to be under any real game pressure. But I think Kavari Russell, you know, does Max Redfield, is he back to being able to play the ball and tackle and the nickel and dime set, which totally has to be reinvented now. Those things should get a lot of work on Saturday. And the a lot of work could come from if they do go tempo because there were a few games last year, three games over 90 snaps for UMass and one over 100. Now, they only won one of those games, but two were close. They played uh, Chuck Barton's team close down to the wire in uh, like a 42-41 game when I think Andrew Hendricks threw for about 800 yards, which is a departure from his career here. But so if they really are going well offensively, it is tempo, and that and that will test, as you said, the corners. Interesting stat: no picks in three games. Do you think 
there's any concern of that, or is there a randomness to interceptions? They forced four fumbles and recovered a couple, but there's no interceptions through three games, and obviously last week not many attempts. <laughs> uh, Texas didn't have the ball that much, but you'd think some of those errant throws could have maybe found an order. No, they were, they were so bad. They weren't <laughs> yeah. even in the vicinity yeah. of the receiver. They, and they had obviously so had a chance to make plays on the ball against Virginia was probably the only time, but my point is they'll have a lot of opportunity to make plays on the ball uh, in the air this yeah, week. Yeah, no doubt. And, and you know, UMass did, I mean, for what it's worth, they've had a bunch of close losses since Mark Whipple returned to UMass, you know, he won a national title when they were one double A back in the late nineties. So he is a solid coach. You know, I think there are four distinct aspects of UMass that are positives for them. And none of them are on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Uh, so that kind of tells you what direction this game will go. I, you know, UMass is, is in a position to score some points because Blake Fronapple is a, is a quality quarterback. Tajay Sharp is a quality wide receiver. He's kind of a, I don't know, poor man's version of Will Fuller. He's kind of he's a little bit bigger than Fuller, but kind of similar in in stature. So quarterback, wide receiver, veteran offensive line with 96 career starts, and they have been good on special teams, or they would were last year. Defensively, they can't stop anything. Yeah, it's uh, you look at PJ Walker, Temple starting quarterback, threw for 391 last week. His career high, obviously. He in his previous twenty three games, he had only gone over three hundred yards twice. Oh my god! So there <laughs> is going to be a lot of opportunity for whether it's Kaiser or Wimbush or Montgomery Van Gorder to push the ball down the field and make plays. I mean, if, if Will Fuller doesn't have over hundred yards this week, it would be a complete shock to me. And maybe this is the game where Ali Zay Jones and Corey Robinson get into gear a little bit more because Notre Dame is going to need them to be legitimate threats moving forward. They've been trying to, they're not, they have been. Last week they tried to target Alizé Jones oh to goodness, make him part yeah. of the game plan. Right. It was five times. And it's like the, until, yeah. the first play of a series, so it's like we're going to talk about right, it on right. the sideline and really sort of get you. Well, well, Kelly said they've got to force feed yeah. him, and that's that's exactly they're what trying. they They did. stopped after and the fumble, which I don't blame them. I want to see Chris Brown after the catch. I, I, yeah. We address that a little bit in tail of the tape. I think that's the next step in his evolution. And in fact, his long reception last week, was a 20-yarder, and 14 of those yards were after the catch, so that was a real positive sign. I would remind people, you know, Toledo, Toledo at Arkansas, I mean, things can happen. Notre Dame is, this is an ultimate, ultimate sandwich game for Notre Dame. Um, so you could have a little bit of a letdown. I think Notre Dame's talent is too great, and you can't win a game on the road with a defense as bad as UMass's. But who's the best player to come out of UMass? It's, do you know who that is? Yeah. Yeah, it's Victor Cruz. So they and I think Tajay Sharp has Dr. J ability. Dr. J was good. Yes, Dr. J. <laughs> Did I say athlete or football? You're right, athlete. Dr. J. Um, most of our listeners are not. Marcus Camby was good as well. Yeah, there we go. Right, exactly. So I mean, but you have to look at Brian Kelly. I think record against non-power five teams, Navy excluded. Um, you throw out the Tulsa game, which was a a bad Notre Dame team. There's no way around it. Under some real difficult circumstances in the program. That was not a good situation. They averaged 22-point margin of victory against sort of the Rices Mm -hmm. and Temples and teams of that nature. You know, I've seen the line. I don't know if it's still at 27 and a half. 29. It's up to 29. 29. Like, I definitely would take the points on this one with UMass. I'm I'm predicting 40-20. Um kind of a backdoor cover maybe situation. Because it's like, at this point, 
Notre Dame needs to flex its roster depth, not blow somebody out for the optics of it. This is, but this isn't going to be Ohio State, Northern Illinois. This no, is, this no. this will be a comfortable win for Notre Dame, and but the true benefits of it will be the snaps for guys like Bonner, Bars, Wimbush, St. Brown, um, you know, sort of the, you know more for Alize Jones, Nick Wisher, et cetera. So, I mean, I, I think Kaiser will play well, but I mean, I think CJ Prosize, Will Fuller again will look like the stars of the Notre Dame offense that they are. So, yeah, 40-20 Notre Dame. I'm thinking it's going to be one of those games where it looks like they're going to score 70 because they have 34 with a couple possessions left in the in the uh, second quarter. But it, it turns into one of those 45-20, games where, I mean, it's just when you're rotating in all your defensive players, all the subs that haven't played since Texas, yeah. uh, you know, it, it, they're not going to be sharp. So I, I think Notre Dame will jump on UMass. I, I don't think there's any letdown here. I think they'll jump on UMass. And, and I, but they're not going to roll up that. They're not a sixty-two to ten type team, and no. there's no reason to be either. No, I, I, I think that Brian Kelly will keep his offensive weapons in the game long enough to score in the upper forties, mm-hmm. something yeah. like that, and then, you know, then it's up to, um, you know, how well some backup offensive lineman, Colin McGovern. You know, we, I know that Brian Kelly didn't single him out, but that's a guy that I think that has been kind of on the rise here in the last year, and you'd like to see him playing get some action because I think he's a capable player too. But Alex Bars as well because Alex Bars was really impressive in the preseason. And I I kind of thought that maybe he might get some early action mainly because I thought Quentin Nelson might get a little overwhelmed by the emotions of he's, it. He's the been only overwhelming. overwhelming <laughs> yeah. yeah, the only overwhelming is what Quentin Nelson is doing to others. We, I think we talked about this in August when they said, you know, Bars will play. It's so hard. I don't, I, I don't even know how to rotate an offensive lineman in. Because you're trying to get your offensive line to be cohesive. How many years have we got into the year and Brian Kelly said it's a real competition? Yeah. Yeah. At a guard position, He'll play. they're both going to play. And then Chris Watt plays every single minute yeah. of the season. It, it, it's, I think he's the only guy that ever rotated in when he was the backup, right? I mean, yeah. In meaningful situations, they just don't do it. And I don't blame him. I think it's hard to say, yeah, these guys have been killing each other for 60 minutes or for, you know, one and a half quarters, go in and pick up for exactly where Quentin Nelson left off. Yeah. Ultimately, it comes down, who makes a decision as to who goes in the game? It's Harry Heastan. Yes. You know, I mean, a head coach can't make every one of those <laughs> Maybe Brian decisions. Kelly is like, we want to put bars in, and Heastan's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. <And> was, <laughs> sorry, Alex. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's the way it works with offensive linemen. But, you know, hopefully uh, Notre Dame gets that opportunity. Main thing, play well, play very well, play fundamentally sound, and do what you need to do in the first 30 minutes and those things can work in your favor. All right, well, that's it for segment one on Irish Illustrated Insider. We'll come back, talk a little bit of recruiting after this. Segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider brought to you by irishillustrated.com, our recruiting roundup, and Pete, another um, small number of recruits in this weekend. What can you tell us? Yeah, well, I mean, first to wrap up, Aaron Hansford last week, mm-hmm. you know, I think he's a guy that came into the visit, spent a lot of time with Brandon Wimbush. And I think that was, it's an interesting by design hosting job because Brandon Wimbush was a guy committed elsewhere, wasn't really looking at Notre Dame until the very end. I think Hansford really Notre Dame is just, it was a school on his list, but not a school near the top of his list before the visit coming out of the trip. I think Notre Dame is in a much better position to, I would say that there'll be a hat on the table at a minimum, um, which is, I think, all you can really ask for right now. And I think if Notre Dame's defense continues to play well, he sees what they do with their linebackers. I, he reminds me a little bit of sort of um, 
kind of like a James Onowalu type, but with better speed. Um, not to say James Onowalu isn't fast, but I think Hansford is sort of a, a safety linebacker, but maybe more towards a linebacker. Um, so they're in good shape there. But coming up this weekend, another linebacker, Jonathan Jones, who's more of your classic inside guy. Um, I talked to him out in Oregon at the opening, and this is a one broad-shoulder dude. Um, he was, looked pretty athletic, decent in space. Uh, but he is definitely an in-the-box type guy. So if you can, Michigan sort of leads right now. Um, Notre Dame, that's Notre Dame's probably their biggest competition. Um, but the way Notre Dame, again, the way Notre Dame's season is going, it's probably going to turn heads there. He's from Orlando era. Parker Boudreaux's been working on him quite a bit. Um, you know, you look at Notre Dame's depth chart at, at inside linebacker right now. You got Tavon Coney who's probably more of a will. They haven't signed necessarily a true Mike linebacker since Niles Morgan. Uh, so Jonathan Jones would be a, a nice fit there, not a, a must-have position for Notre Dame, but somebody to look at there. And again, it's UMass. There's not a lot of recruiting action this weekend. Uh, they'll have some juniors coming as well. But overall, this is, I, I think, a, a weekend for Notre Dame to just gear up for the USC recruiting weekend, <laughs> which is going to be a, a huge recruiting segment uh, once we get around to what, that, what about will Nate? Will the Navy weekend be sparse as well? Especially it's, um, with USC the next. Carlo week. Kemp is coming in for that, the defensive end from Colorado. But it's, I believe, that is about it. I, I, for some reason, I feel like there's another guy coming in that I'm blanking on right now. Uh, but that will not be more than two, maybe three official visitors. I'd be surprised if there's more than two. And there are two 2017 recruits coming yeah. this weekend. Uh, Anton Swimmins is a lift. Uh, on the list, the linebacker from Michigan has an offer. And then Dalen Wade Perry, who's actually, I don't think, has been officially offered yet. I'd be pretty surprised if he didn't. I mean, this is a 6'2", 320-pound defensive tackle from New Jersey who already has offers from Ohio State, Alabama, and Stanford. So you would think that would be a guy Notre Dame would probably go all in on this weekend. Uh, and, hey, he can look at Notre Dame's depth chart and be like, man, you guys... One, you're playing a freshman defensive tackle, which is exciting to me, and you don't have a whole lot of depth there, so maybe I can come in and make an impact right away. Right. All right, our next podcast will be Monday, uh, September 28th, wrapping up the UMass game. We, of course, will be in Notre Dame Stadium on Saturday, kickoff 340, I think is the exact time on Saturday, and so we'll uh, we'll talk to you with an instant analysis a couple hours before kickoff. This has been Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com.